you are now listening to the place for biblical end times truth, The Remnant Report. I am your host, The Remnant Warrior. Here, we are dedicated to equipping the remnant for the tribulation that must shortly come to pass, as well as reaching the lost at any cost. The time is near for us to not love our lives even unto death. We serve a risen living Savior, so death is not the end, and we know that we will overcome the dragon by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, because we love not In this video series, we are going to reveal the greatest conspiracy in world history. As I've said before, this is not a conspiracy theory, but an actual conspiracy that will affect every person on the planet. In my previous video, I demonstrated how camouflage is used to conceal great danger in plain sight. We also saw the devastating effect of a tsunami that showed no visible sign of danger, yet contained extremely destructive power that caught many people of God. We then discussed a phenomenon called the normalcy bias. The normalcy bias explains that we can quite easily enter a state of denial, justification or mental and even physical paralysis when confronted with a crisis that challenges our core beliefs or our perception of reality. We also discussed the fact that world history is littered with wars. Despite all man's attempts to live at peace with one another, warfare still blights the nations of the world today. Now in this video, I'm going to explore the pursuit of world peace. Today there is a global call for world peace. At first glance, the quest for world peace seems honorable, desirable and logical. No one wants to suffer the terrible consequences of war, racial hatred or social deprivation. On closer inspection, however, the quest for world peace is fraught with danger and in fact conceals a terrible evil. The nations of the world are in fact being deceived. This deception constitutes yet another form of warfare that is hidden in plain sight and is being waged on unsuspecting victims. Sadly, the whole premise of the world entering into a peaceful utopia in future is fatally flawed as I will later reveal. In my first video I said that we do not seem to learn the lessons of history and that as a result history tends to repeat itself. From the ashes of World War I, Adolf Hitler attempted to build a sinister new world order, led by a so-called race of Aryan supermen, spreading a reign of terror unlike any the world had ever known. 
many believe the Nazis conjured strange spirits and followed occult practices that had lain dormant in Europe for thousands of years. Now documents prove that their beliefs were based on a perversion of ancient pagan law, a twisting of mythic battles between forces of light and darkness, and a terrifying journey into a world ruled by mystics, madmen, and murderers. Now, we can see that the swastika became a very powerful talisman in Hitler's Third Reich. The symbol is in fact not German, but was adopted from the occult. Its occult significance is the spiritual transformation of man. It's used in Hinduism, Buddhism, and Freemasonry. The Third Reich was a fusion of occultism, paganism, mysticism, and spiritism. Now, spiritism describes the process of summoning spirit beings for various purposes. Hitler was so obsessed with the occult that he wanted to be possessed himself by Lucifer to give him more occult power. The SS all had to undergo occult rituals as part of their indoctrination into becoming an SS officer. And the SS, in fact, are not SS, they are two lightning bolts, which, going back to the Bible, speaks of Satan falling from heaven as lightning comes from the heavens to the earth. So they were involved in very dark rituals, satanic rituals which some believe even involved human sacrifice and included black sun worship. The Third Reich had its roots in mystical occult paganism. Hitler was profoundly influenced by the occult and his Third Reich was an attempt firstly to establish a new world order with him at the helm, secondly to destroy Judaism and Christianity and thirdly to establish a new religion with a combination of mystic paganism, spiritism, and occultism. Hitler was profoundly influenced by an occult organization called Theosophy. He kept a copy of a book entitled The Secret Doctrine next to his bed and based his Third Reich on its teachings. As we explore Theosophy further, we will discover that Theosophy continues to assert its insidious influence on the world today. The founding of the New Age movement can be traced right back to the 19th century through Theosophy. Theosophy is the group that popularized the belief that we are moving out of the age of Pisces into the astrological age of Aquarius, which to them is an age of the unity of humanity, an age of enlightenment, an age of heightened spiritual consciousness. The concept of the new age of Aquarius is based on astrology, an occult practice forbidden in the Bible. It is claimed that as certain planets come into alignment, the Earth will undergo a mystical transformation from its present state of turmoil into a blissful utopian state, literally heaven on Earth.
This cosmic shift will supposedly bring about a change in human nature, and this will manifest in the form of sympathy, trust, honesty, mutual respect, revelation, world peace, and the true liberation of our minds, as they put it. The New Age occultists teach that our minds will be liberated to realize that we are actually free from the dictates of Jehovah, and can therefore live as we please. It is claimed that we are in fact gods, and that Lucifer the light bearer is the spirit being who is the true God, and who brings true spiritual enlightenment to humanity in the form of intellectual illumination. Albert Pike, the highest level Freemason in the world and today still revered as the most senior Freemason in the Masonic movement, says, That which we must say to the crowd is, we worship a God, but it is the God that one adores without superstition. To you, Sovereign Grand Inspector General, we say this. You may repeat it to the brethren of the 32nd, 31st and 30th degrees. The Masonic religion should be, by all of us initiates of the higher degrees, maintained in the purity of the Luciferian doctrine. If Lucifer were not God, would Adonai, Jesus, spread false and harmful statements about him? Yes, Lucifer is God. End of quote. These occultists claim to receive inspiration from the spirit realm. They acknowledge that the source of their inspiration is from Lucifer or Satan himself, and that they are engaging with fallen angels, but of course they teach that Lucifer is the good guy and the God of the Bible is the evil spiritual entity. So they invert what the Bible teaches. The Bible talks about, of course, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. The kingdom of darkness being Satan's kingdom and the kingdom of light being the kingdom of God or Jehovah. And it teaches that these two kingdoms are at war with one another. Now the aim of the New World Order is a one world government with a unified one world religion and the New Age is that religion. Here is a quote by Zygmunt Brzezinski. He says, The tectonic era involves the gradual appearance of a more controlled society. Such a society would be dominated by an elite, unrestrained by traditional values. Soon it will be possible to assert almost continuous surveillance over every citizen and maintain up-to-date, complete files containing even the most personal information about the citizen. The admitted New World Order agenda to control a one-world government that rules over humanity is not only political but also spiritual and what is known as the New Age. The global elite are New Age occultists who adhere to New Age dogma and are responsible for this trend of discrediting Christianity, Jesus Christ and Christian New World Order researchers. This trend is a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that is coming into fruition at the end of this age. The occult community is full of secret societies that practice secret oaths, secret meetings and secret occult practices. This implies that they have something to hide. The Bible says that what is done in secret will be brought into the light. God does not keep secrets, but has revealed truth to us in the Bible. Let's listen now to a short excerpt from a video by William Cooper, a Christian researcher who researched the New World Order and the occult all his life. He explains the Luciferian doctrine behind the occult and the governments of the world and how they pervert the Bible. In the mystery schools, they refer to this mystical time coming out of the age of innocence as the Luciferian philosophy. In the Bible, or in the church, they talk about the fall of man. Same thing. There's only one difference 
between the Luciferian philosophy and the fall of man is that those who talk about the fall of man believe in God whether or not they believe in a savior they believe in God the ones who believe in the Luciferian philosophy do not now here's how that works in the Bible we're told that Eve was tempted by Satan to eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil God had commanded Adam and Eve not to eat of the fruit of that tree if you do ye will surely die isn't that the commandment Lucifer through his agent Satan on the other hand told Eve God lied to you he's holding back the fact that you too can become God but first you have to eat of the fruit of this tree and if you do you will surely not die but shall become as gods isn't that true so from the religious aspect we see that as the fall of man because man disobeyed God the mysteries on the other hand look at this in a different light here's their story it's a metaphor they don't believe that there ever was a God or that there ever is a God aside from man himself and man has not reached that state yet but can this is what they teach in the lodges that if you perfect yourself as the temple of the God within and become Christed you've all heard this in the New Age movement you too can become God here's the way they look at it here's their metaphor for the end of innocence Adam and Eve were held prisoner in the Garden of Eden by an unjust cruel and vindictive God until Lucifer through his agent Satan set man free from this garden by giving him the gift of intellect through the use of intellect man will conquer the earth will conquer nature and will himself become God it's taught in every Masonic temple in this land every secret brotherhood every secret society every mystical temple every occult organization teaches the Luciferian philosophy now in order to understand the New World Order and the New Age worldview we have to go back into history to examine its origins but let's first define our terminologies New Age refers to a worldview that consists of many facets and components such as mysticism occultism Eastern religions spiritism and astrology which includes teachings of the signs of the zodiac the term channeling refers to making contact with spirit beings who are often referred to as higher powers or ascended masters aliens or ETs or world teachers which is in the context of spiritual teachers now of course the Bible teaches that any form of contact with spirit beings that are not associated with God or the worship of the true God is in fact contact with demons who are fallen angels meditation refers to the process of clearing our minds so completely that we eventually make contact with divinity 
the terminology all is one is the belief that all is one or one spirit being this is called monism and this is where the concept of pantheism originates which is the worship of nature uh, because the belief is that the spirit of god is in everything and of course that spirit of god is in human beings so therefore people even worship themselves as gods man is god this is the belief that we can attain godhood esotericism is all about reinterpreting ancient texts to find hidden meanings and to unify all these religions into one religious belief system this is in fact exactly what madame blavatsky attempted to do when she created theosophy and she reasoned that if she could study all the world's religions and aggregate them into one new religion that this new religion would represent absolute and ultimate truth in other words the wisdom of the ages as she put it aquarian utopia refers to a one world system of government for the coming age of aquarius new world order refers to a political agenda to create a one world government one world economy and a one world religion now of course this is nothing less than the unification of humanity into one living organism which is the total control of human beings and the submission of the masses to a totalitarian occultic elite in order to understand what is going on with the new world order and the new age movement or what can more correctly be defined as the new age religion we have to go back to the 19th century when an organization called the theosophical society was established this organization in particular amongst others is largely responsible for the modern new age religion and the political doctrine known as the new world order the founder of the theosophical society was a woman called helena p blavatsky born august 12 1831 she was very interested early in her life in the supernatural and mythology from 1848 to 1858 she traveled the world to obtain an understanding of the religious traditions of the world she claimed to have traveled to south america egypt canada france greece mexico tibet india germany and england during this time it's said that during this time she learned many mysteries secrets and occult knowledge from every walk of life armed with all this new esoteric information she moved to new york in 1873 then in 1875 she formed an occult organization called the theosophical society she founded the society with two other men colonel henry steel alcott and william judge According to Alcott, Theosophy already had thousands of members in branches all over the world by 1885. After New York, Blavatsky and Alcott established the Theosophical Society headquarters in India, and membership of the society increased over time. Now, Blavatsky's influence came from her writings. Her first book was entitled Isis Unveiled, and was published in 1877. She then started a magazine called Lucifer Magazine. Her principal work, The Secret Doctrine, was then published in 1888 she then wrote the key to theosophy and then the voice of silence these works are now famous or infamous depending on which viewpoint you're coming from and contained in these writings are the doctrines that helped mold the new age movement into what it is today blavatsky claims that the contents of her book the secret doctrine was channeled to her through an ascended master or highly evolved being called kathumi who spoke to her Belief in these ascended masters who communicate with humanity is a crucial concept when studying the new age and we'll explore this doctrine later on. 
The age concept that says that humanity is leaving the age of Pisces and entering the golden era or age of Aquarius was popularized by Blavatsky. Theosophists teach that Jesus was simply representative of the astrological age of Pisces and that he was an initiate into the mystery schools or cults of spiritual teachers and masters. They teach that the age of Aquarius is going to be a new utopian age when the world unites into a one world system the exiting out of the age of Jesus and its outdated form of religion and the entering into the age of a new world teacher. They claim that each astrological age is accompanied by a new world teacher such as Buddha, Krishna, Jesus Christ and the coming new age Maitreya. So for the advent of the new age of Aquarius, they claim that a new world teacher will guide humanity into it. very name Maitri, that is loving kindness. Now today's world, we really need uh, a promotion of Maitri, Maitri, loving kindness. In Kushinaga, northern India, the place where Shakyamuni Buddha passed away, an extraordinary symbol of loving-kindness is being created for the entire world. The Maitreya Project. Maitreya Buddha, according to scripture, we believe the next coming Buddha. So therefore, it is useful to make sort of special effort to make sort of relation or contact with the coming Buddha. Just as Buddha Shakyamuni was recognized 2,500 years ago as an enlightened being, it has been prophesied by all the Buddhist traditions that Maitreya will be recognized as the Buddha of loving-kindness. Some cultures know Maitreya as the Laughing Buddha. A statue of the monastic form of Maitreya is being built to last at least 1,000 years in India. This will be the largest symbol of loving-kindness in the world. The main purpose of the Maitreya statue is to promote the qualities of loving-kindness in this world. Buddha Shakyamuni explained there is incredible benefit in creating holy objects. When one sees a peaceful, loving image, it makes one think of peace. A positive seed is planted in the mind which will grow into loving-kindness. Throughout the world, monuments serve to inspire humankind. The Taj Mahal symbolizes worldly love of one human being for another. The Statue of Liberty is a symbol of justice and political freedom. The Maitreya statue is a symbol of the perfected qualities of loving kindness, the essence of all religions. statue and uh, see people to learn loving kindness by learning the uh, teaching of the material Buddha you see with this good heart then you see wars can be stopped everybody needs loving kindness from loving kindness then you can achieve freedom now Blavatsky advocated monism a one-world brotherhood 
a unity of mankind. It's interesting to note that God created disunity amongst mankind when he created confusion of the languages at the Tower of Babel in the Old Testament. This was done to prevent humans from uniting in rebellion against God, exactly the unity being promoted by Blavatsky and proponents of the new one-world antichrist religion. In Blavatsky's book, The Keys to Theosophy, she lists three main goals of theosophy. Firstly, the universal brotherhood of humanity without distinction of race, color or creed. Secondly, to promote the study of the world's religions. And thirdly, to investigate the hidden mysteries of nature. Theosophy is the first major New Age group, and they are largely responsible for many of the New Age beliefs, including the belief that Jesus represented the sun god. It is claimed that Jesus is actually a reincarnation of the Egyptian sun god Horus. Horus is one of the oldest and most significant deities in ancient Egyptian religion. Horus served many functions in the Egyptian pantheon, most notably being the god of the sun, war and protection. He is known as the god of vengeance, the god of the sky, protection and war. At the heart of all occult teachings is pride, that their secrets are only for the select few. It caters for an elitist mindset. At the heart of all they teach and do is the attempt to discredit the true god, the deity of Jesus Christ, the Bible and Christians in general. Now in Ephesians 6 verse 12, the Bible reveals that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So we can see that uh, this is part of a spiritual battle. It's not people that we're fighting against. These ideas and ideologies and so-called spiritual principles come out of the demonic realm. These are spirit beings that are peering to these occultists and seeding their lies into their writings, into their minds, into their spirits. And of course, these doctrines of demons are then taught as so-called truths or spiritual revelation. Now, as theosophy grew, it produced influential figures such as Annie Besant, born October 1, 1847. She was both a Marxist and a socialist. She was also a feminist and joined the Marxist-based Social Democratic Federation, or the SDF, in the 1880s. She met the founder of Theosophy, Helena Blavatsky, in 1890 and quickly read Blavatsky's writings. Besant got involved in Freemasonry and in 1902 she established the Woman's Order of Freemasonry called Co-Masonry and established Masonic lodges all over the world with theosophical underpinnings. Theosophy, Freemasonry and Marxism are all associated with the New Age movement. Besant would become president of the Theosophical Society in 1908. As we expose the origins of the modern New World Order and New Age doctrines, it's important to note the role of Freemasonry in all this. As already mentioned, Theosophy and Freemasonry were somewhat affiliated in the late 19th century. In fact, Blavatsky received an honorary degree of apprentice companion, perfect mistress, sublime elect Scots lady, from the right of adoption. She was awarded with these titles by 33 degree Freemasons. Now, as far back as 1917, people were already recognizing the relationship between Freemasonry and Theosophy. Freemasonry viewed doctrinally is in fact Theosophy. Theosophists and Freemasons taught that Jesus was the Sun God, S-U-N God, and that he was based in the age of Pisces within the Zodiac. The Marxist theosophist Annie Besant taught, 
Then the sun retrograded into Pisces at the time of the birth of Jesus Christ. The Pisces influence being shown by cures performed by stepping into pools of water. Christ choosing his first apostles from fishermen. This was quoted in Lucifer magazine. Now Bravatsky also taught Echthus, a fish. Some of his early disciples were fishermen. Pisces, a conventional shape for the fish. Manly Palmer Hall, a notorious occultist, taught. During the age of Pisces, the fish was the symbol of divinity and the sun god, S-U-N. The sun god fed the multitudes with two small fishes. Again, Blavatsky says, For the salvation of the world, this was the sun, S-U-N, shorn of his golden rays and crowned with black ones. Jesus and even Apollonius of Tyana were but epitomizers of the history of the sun. As theosophy grew, it produced another prominent woman called Alice Bailey. She was born in June 6, 1880. She's one of the most influential theosophists who convinced New Ages that humanity needs to establish a one-world government and one-world religion in preparation for the coming age of Aquarius. In order to achieve this, she deemed it necessary to teach humanity the religion of theosophy and Freemasonry. She speaks of a spiritual war between esotericists and those who refuse to accept the New Age. Quote, it will be fought largely with mental weapons and in the world of thought. It will involve also the emotional realm from the standpoint of idealistic fanaticism. This inherent fanaticism will fight against the appearance of the coming world religion and the spread of esotericism. It must not be forgotten that only those souls who are on the probationary path or the path of discipleship will form the nucleus of the coming world religion. There is no question, therefore, that the work to be done in familiarizing the general public with the nature of the mysteries is of paramount importance at this time. When the Great One comes with his disciples and initiates, we shall have the restoration of the mysteries and their exoteric presentation as a consequence of the first initiation. Now from these doctrines we can see that the stated objective of these occultists is to indoctrinate the public with their esoteric religious ideas and to externalize their occult teachings in humanity with the ultimate realization of a new world order that is devoid of what they call the negative influences of traditional Christianity. By this they mean that Christians who claim that salvation can be found through Jesus Christ alone and only through Christianity and that the Bible is the source of absolute truth, these people, they say, are divisive, narrow-minded, bigoted, fundamentalist, idealistic fanatics who are hindering the spiritual evolution of humanity. In other words, Christians are holding back the planet and retarding human progress on the planet. They're referring, of course, to spiritual evolution. We are retarding the spiritual evolution of humanity. Alice Bailey also reveals that Freemasonry is meant to produce advanced occultists and is in accordance with theosophical goals. She says, the Masonic movement, when it can be divorced from politics and social end and from its present paralyzing condition of inertia, will meet the need of those who can and should wield power. It is the custodian of the law. It is the home of the mysteries and the seat of initiation. It holds in its symbolism the ritual of deity and the way of salvation is pictorially preserved in its work. The methods of deity are demonstrated in its temples and under the all-seeing eye 
the work can go forward. It is a far more occult organization than can be realized and is intended to be the training school for the coming advanced occultists. In his book entitled Arcana of Freemasonry, Albert Churchward says, quote, can the unity of the world be accomplished by Freemasons? Yes, and by Freemasons only. End of quote. Freemasonry presents itself to the world as a friendly, fraternal order where men meet to network and socialize. But it is in fact an occult religious system. Freemasonry itself was infiltrated by the Illuminati in the late 18th century. Although there is a lot of fictional embellishment about the Illuminati, certain key facts have been established. Number one, the Illuminati did in fact exist in Bavaria in Germany. Number two, it was founded on the 1st of May 1776 by Adam Weishaupt. What is today celebrated as May Day or Labor Day is in fact the celebration of the birth of the Illuminati. Three, the organization was a type of revolutionary organization that sought political and societal reform. Interestingly enough, this was based on the assumption that if you could just gather enough really intelligent people together, you could solve all the world's problems. Four, the order grew and became very popular. Five, it was outlawed by the ruler of Bavaria, Duke Karl Theodore, who issued three edicts against the Illuminati, the third being in 1787. Six, Illuminati writings were discovered after the arrests of members and raids of castles. 7. The original writings were written in High German and published in a book entitled Proofs of a Conspiracy Against All the Religions and Governments of Europe by John Robinson and another book Memoirs Illustrating the History of Jacobinism by A. Barriwell. 8. The writings revealed that the Illuminati wanted a one-world system ruled by them, the overthrow of religion, and in order to achieve this, infiltration of Freemasonry. By infiltrating Freemasonry, they would be able to operate under another name or persona. Now, quoting from Adam Weishaupt, he says, Do you realize sufficiently what it means to rule? To rule in a secret society, not only over the lesser or more important of the populace, but over the best of men, over men of all ranks, nations and religions. To rule without external force, to unite them indissolubly to breathe one spirit and soul into them, men distributed over all parts of the world. The prolific Masonic author and historian Albert Mackey writes, quote, To give the order a higher influence, Weishaupt connected it with the Masonic institution after whose system of degrees and esoteric instruction and of secret modes of recognition it was organized. The organization enrolled some of the most distinguished men of Germany, and it expanded rapidly into other countries. The original design of Illuminism was undoubtedly the elevation of the human race, but it cannot be denied that in the process of time, abuses crept into the institution, and that by the influence of unworthy men, this system became corrupted." End of quote. Fused with Freemasonry in the 18th century were the doctrines of elitism and globalization and the overthrow of religion, namely Christianity. Albert Mackey states that the Illuminati infiltrated Freemasonry before it was outlawed, so we have every reason to believe that it still exists today. By the time the Bavarian government outlawed it in Bavaria, it was already too late because it had spread worldwide. George Washington, himself a Freemason, believed that the Illuminati existed 
and that some of the founders of the United States had the objectives of the Illuminati in mind from the outset, such as the separation of the people from their government. The then president of Yale University in 1798 stated, There is sufficient evidence that a number of societies of the Illuminati have been established in this land of gospel light and civil liberty which were first organized from the Grand Society in France. They are doubtless secretly striving to undermine all our ancient institutions, civil and sacred. These societies are closely leagued with those of the same order in Europe, and they all have the same objects in view. The enemies of all order are seeking our ruin. Should infidelity generally prevail, our independence would fall, of course. Our republican government would be annihilated. Because this Illuminati doctrine of globalization and societal reform was fused into Freemasonry. Later prominent Masons started voicing their anticipation of a new world order and a one world system. Quote, the express aim of this order was to abolish Christianity and overthrow all civil government. End of quote. Another quote says, the great strength of our order lies in its concealment. Let it never appear in any place in its own name, but always covered by another name and another occupation. None is fitter than the three lower degrees of Freemasonry. The public is accustomed to it, expects little from it, and therefore takes little notice of it." End of quote. Freemasonry is just one of many ways to get people into the occult. The highest levels of Freemasonry and Theosophy are now striving for a new world order and a one world religion. Their dogma is that to enter into the coming age of Aquarius, the world has to unite into a one world government or new world order. Quote, Mystic masonry is not only the key to the religion taught to all men in all ages from the very beginning of conscious life up to the present, but it holds the keys to these religions and is in fact the very repository of religion itself. It has for its objects the uniting of mankind into a universal brotherhood. End of quote. The Scottish Masonic magazine The New Age admits that it is seeking a new race, a new religion, and a new civilization which is the great plan for America. It says, Great God our King has chosen the great American public schools to pave the way for the new race, the new religion, and the new civilization that is taking place in America. Any mother, father, or guardian who is responsible for the taking away of freedom of mind freedom of will or freedom of spirit is the lowest criminal on this earth because they take away from that child the God-given right to become a part of God's great plan in America for the dawn of the new age of the world." End of quote. Now what many people don't realize is that America was founded by the Freemasons of Europe as a Masonic experiment. That's why for example uh, New York is named after the York Rites of Freemasonry in England, New York. And the Statue of Liberty, which was donated by the Freemasons of France to America, is in fact a statue that signifies a spiritual evolution where man becomes God through spiritual enlightenment. This is why you have like these rays of the sun around the head of this goddess Columbia. Uh, which is standing with this flame or the light. This all signifies that Lucifer, the light bearer, brings enlightenment to humanity. 
Manly P. Hall, a high-level occultist, states, quote, The new Atlantis sets forth an ideal government of the earth. It foretells that day when in the midst of men there shall rise up a vast institution composed of the philosophic elect, an order of illumined men banded together for the purpose of investigating the laws of life and the mysteries of the universe. The age of boundaries is closing, and we are approaching a nobler era when nations shall be no more, when the lines of race and caste shall be wiped out, when the whole earth shall be under one order, one government, one administrative body. I'm now going to quote Alice Bailey, and she says, The new era is coming. The new ideals, the new civilization, the new modes of life, of education, of religious presentation, and of government are slowly precipitating, and nothing can stop them. End of quote. I'm going to quote from N. Sri Ram, who says, quote, Let us first consider the restoration of the mysteries. It is well known among members of the co-Masonic movement that its work has been faithfully continued up to the present and that its numbers of lodges have steadily increased. I imagine that at such an auspicious time when the inner and outer worlds will have come much nearer together, some of the great leaders of the hierarchy might take part in the outer work of reconstruction and will then become the recognized leaders of the new world government. End of quote. The hierarchy he refers to is not humans. He's referring to spirit beings. What is claimed to be a spiritual hierarchy of ascended masters who, um, you know, have this great intellect and wisdom. And these are people who are spiritual entities who it is claimed are very highly evolved in every single way. And of course, including spiritually, and they are going to become infused or integrated with the leaders of the new world order or the new world government. So yeah, we have the concept of hybrid humans, which are a fusion of spiritual entities and humans. Now this was written by Manly P. Hall. Manly P. Hall was both a grand master within Freemasonry and he was a grand master in the Illuminati. And he says, all of sincere heart will find consolation in the conviction that powers beyond and above human corruption continue to administer the destiny of the globe. It would be a mistake to confuse the governing bodies with the various sects which pretend to authority but give no indication or proof that they can manage efficiently even their own affairs. Now Manly P. Hall knows who he's referring to here because he's part of that secret body. But of course he speaks positively of it. I'm going to now talk about Jiddu Krishnamurti. His father was a member of the Theosophical Society. He was raised by Annie Besant and was adopted and raised to believe that he was the Christ. He was brainwashed to believe that he was the returned Christ and that he would lead humanity into the new age of Aquarius. For many years, Jiddu spoke authoritatively about esoteric and occult matters, but became increasingly reluctant to be acclaimed as the Christ of Theosophy. He formally parted company with Theosophy, but maintained contact with Theosophists and gave lectures and wrote books about New Age spirituality. New Agers and occultists often assert that the story of Jesus is derived from pagan gods. 
These types of arguments against Christianity were inserted into the New Age movement by Blavatsky and Annie Besant. They constantly attempt to deny the deity of Christ because according to theosophical New Age thought, humanity is about to exit the age of Pisces, i.e. the old age of Christianity which has become evil, they say, and is moving into the new age of Aquarius in which a new world teacher, i.e. a Christ figure, will take humanity forward. They claim that many people are stuck believing in an old world Christianity and that this is holding back people from their new spirituality. The best way they say to fix this problem is therefore to discredit the avatar of the Piscean age, Jesus Christ. They even go as fast claiming that Jesus never existed in the first place, but then contradict themselves by claiming that he was one of the world's spiritual teachers, or ascended masters, as they often put it. New Age spokesman and disciple of Alice Bailey, Benjamin Krem, says, quote, the five major initiations which take one to liberation have their symbolic enactment in the life of Jesus. This is what the gospel story is really about. It is a very ancient story and has been presented to mankind again and again in different forms long before the time of Jesus." End of quote. Now, Theosophy and Freemasonry employ three arguments to debunk Christianity. Number one, the belief that the story of Jesus was copied from other religions. Number two, that Jesus is a representation of the Son, S-U-N. Number three, that Jesus ushered in the astrological age of Pisces. Now, of course, that's ridiculous because the Bible clearly teaches against people getting involved with astrology. Now, it makes sense that theosophists would spread these views because they want a world system that believes in the age of Aquarius. In discrediting Christianity and associating Jesus with astrology, they can get apostate Christians on board in their false religion. And as far as the spiritual aspect of life, you know, we're all pure spirituality. Of course there's something outside of understanding because we're only, we're just a fragment inside this larger whole. I end Zeitgeist with a very positive note. We're talking about the, the consciousness, the whole consciousness, because you can scientifically orient yourself and, and even more importantly, spiritually orient, orient yourself into a collective consciousness to realize that we're all one organism. And the moment people stop dividing themselves up and generating religious division, political division, the moment they stop, people stop fighting amongst themselves is the moment paradise will dawn. A new ager who calls herself Acharya S. wrote a book called The Christ Conspiracy, The Greatest Story Ever Sold. She says, But the future is now, and the maneuvers are being unveiled. As far as Christianity's role in this new age, Carpenter states, Christianity, therefore, as I say, must either now come frankly forward and acknowledge its parentage from the great order of the past, seek to rehabilitate that, and carry mankind one step forward in the path of evolution, or else it must perish. There is no alternative. End of quote. In another section of the book, she says, Despite the vilification of the so-called New Age movement, the fact is that we are entering a new age. The age referred to in the gospel tale is that of Pisces, and through contrivance and duplicity, coercion and slaughter, the fish god Jesus 
the Piscean solar avatar has indeed been with us, but now it is the close of the age and his time is over. We live today in an astrological no man's land at the end of the age of Pisces, on the threshold of the new age of Aquarius. Traditionally, these times of transition between one age and the next have been regarded as ill-omened. Ill-omened verily, as the ongoing destruction of the earth and the endless warfare over ideology will indeed produce the Armageddon so long awaited and planned by those who cannot live for today, but must look towards an afterlife. By realizing the cultural unity revealed behind the Christ conspiracy, however, humanity can pull together and prevent this fall in order to create a better world. The equinox will reach the sign of Aquarius, and coinciding the great cycle of influence, we can indeed hope to put a complete end to all the influence of the past cycle with its tyranny, slavery, war, and cruelty. End of quote. Another quote. This is one of the great transitional epochs and the karma before humanity as a whole and to every group in particular is to reform itself from slavery, female subjection, war and cruelty and establish a civilization based on humanness and interest in spiritual matters." End of, quote. of course this is all talk about the demise of Christianity. New Age author Gail Fairfield explains what is expected for this alleged upcoming age of Aquarius. She says, quote, The sign of Aquarius is the sign of focused concepts. It concentrates intently on developing its ideas and then applies them to the betterment of humankind. It has talent for rapidly correlating all the information available into a political, ethical, spiritual, technological system. Aquarius creates optimal futures for individuals and for humanity because it needs alternatives, possibilities and something to move toward. Overall, Aquarius is a reformer and a visionary working to create its utopia." End of quote. This new age utopia is being made to sound wonderful amidst claims that suddenly humanity will no longer be at war with one another, there will be no more divisive religions, that this will all be done away with and replaced with a mystery spiritual oneness, and that everybody's going to live in a heaven on earth. They even claim that this new age utopia will supply all our needs such as free energy and raising all debts, even to the point where all laws will be done away with. No one it seems is going to have to do any work. But of course what they're actually describing is one world socialistic government that will provide the needs only of those who accept the mark of the beast described in the Bible. This new age utopia will come along with massive depopulation. The coming new world order is going to be a combination of tyrannical fascist world leaders who have replaced the teachings of the Bible and the God of the Bible with their man-made religion which has been shaped and formed from every occult and pagan influence. The extreme irony of all this is that the world is in fact not improving and progressing. It's being plunged into a deep, dark spiritual vacuum. This vacuum will be and is already being filled with every sort of extreme evil. This is already becoming self-evident in the media. The Age of Aquarius is in fact an attempt by man to enthrone himself as God and to declare liberation from the demands and restraints of what New Age Luciferians claim is a tyrannical evil God 
who seeks only to keep humanity in the Dark Ages. They claim that Adam and Eve were held captive in the Garden of Eden, where they existed in a subhuman state. They claim that Lucifer, the light bearer, liberated them by bringing them the gift of intellect. Now, the same fallen angel is bringing further enlightenment and liberation to all of humanity, as he did to Adam and Eve. The truth is out. We can all become gods. Luciferianism and the Ascended Masters According to the New Ages, Theosophists, as well as many Elitists and Freemasons, there exists a group of highly evolved men and women called the Masters of Wisdom. These groups claim that Buddha, Krishna, Muhammad and Jesus were all Masters of Wisdom, and that a being named Maitreya is the leader of these Masters of Wisdom, but that he in turn is subject to the true leader, Sanat Kumara. Now who is Sanat Kumara? Well, the New Age occultists tell us, quote, Satan is an anagram for Sanat Kumara, who in the esoteric philosophy of India is the Promethean being who gave mankind the fire of self-conscious and independent individual selfhood, end of quote. Quote, Satan has a possible echo in theosophic law, where the Lord of the world, the spiritual ruler of the earth, and head of the Great White Lodge is Sanat Kumara, a lord of the flame who descended to earth from Venus in a fiery chariot some six million years ago. End of quote. Helena Blavatsky says, quote, It is but natural, even from the dead letter standpoint, to view Satan, the serpent of Genesis, as the real creator and benefactor, the father of spiritual mankind, for it is he who was the harborer of light bright radiant lucifer who opened the eyes of the automation created by jehovah as alleged and he who was the first to whisper in the day you eat thereof you shall be as elohim or god knowing good and evil and she then goes on and says he can only be regarded in the light of a savior an adversary to jehovah the personating spirit he still remains in esoteric truth the ever loving messenger the angel the seraphim and cherubim who both know well and loved still more and who conferred on us spiritual instead of physical immortality end of quote quote satan then was originally a divine being destined to carry light and life to the nether worlds he stands for the gift of free will and self-conscious mind to man power which at once seduces and uplifts man for with free will comes the power to go astray. Satan is therefore man's teacher. End of quote. Freemasonry, for example, is one of the ways that people are systematically brought to the point where it is revealed to them that Lucifer is in fact God. This deception is based on the fact that initially Masons believe that what they're involved in is in fact Christian. One of the former leaders of the Theosophical Society who was contemporary with Blavatsky and Annie Besant tells us what the 19th century position on Satan is. In his work Spiritualism, Madame Blavatsky and Theosophy, Rudolf Steiner states, quote, Lucifer is not a being that we can see with our present-day physical eyes. Lucifer can be seen only with the awakened clairvoyance. Seen clairvoyantly, in fact, Lucifer is a particular being who was left behind during the moon phase of evolution. End of quote. N. Sri Ram, who often gave lectures at the United Nations, who himself is a major theosophist and was a writer for Lucifer magazine, clarifies, quote, The adversary or Satan is no other than Lucifer, 
the light bearer, the bright morning star. He is the initiator, awakening the divine faculties of intellect on man. He is the king of the fallen angels, spirits from higher spheres, who descended among primitive mankind of the third race, to develop in man and endow him with his self-conscious mind or manus." End of quote. Theosophy teaches that Lucifer is actually a divine being that saves mankind and brings him consciousness. Many modern-day New Agers who are deceived by Theosophy repeat the same theme. For example, David Spangler admits that Lucifer is a being that New Agers honor and that the light of Lucifer is the light of God. Quote, he says, The true light of Lucifer cannot be seen through sorrow, through darkness or through rejection. The true light of this great being can only be recognized when one's own eyes can see with the light of the Christ, the light of the inner sun. Lucifer works within each of us trying to bring us to wholeness as we move into the new age, which is the age of man's wholeness. Each of us in some way is brought to that point which I term the Luciferic initiation. The particular doorway through which the individual must pass if he is to come fully into the presence of his light with his wholeness. Lucifer comes to give us the final gift of wholeness if we accept it, that he is free and we are free. This is the Luciferic initiation. It is one that many people now and in the days ahead will be facing, for it is an initiation into the new age. It is an initiation of leaving the past and moving into the new shedding our guilt and fears, our anxieties, our needs, our temptations, and becoming whole and at peace because we have recognized our inner light, the light that unfolds us, the light of God. End of quote. We can now therefore conclude that Luciferian doctrine is fused into the New Age movement through theosophy. Along with this doctrine is the belief that because of Satan, man will now evolve spiritually and intellectually, conquer the world, conquer nature and become a god. Now here is an admission that Freemasonry is aimed at creating god-men, just as Hitler wanted to do. The purpose of initiation in Freemasonry is to attain godhood. Quote, the height of the lodge, even as high as the heavens, implies that the range of consciousness possible to us when we have developed our potentialities to the full is infinite. Man who has sprung from the earth and developed through the lower kingdoms of nature to his present rational state has yet to complete his evolution by becoming a godlike being and unifying his consciousness with the omniscient to promote which is and always has been the sole aim and purpose of all initiation. End of quote. Maitreya and Benjamin Krem. Benjamin Krem claims that in 1959 he was contacted by the Ascended Masters, asking him if he wanted to be a forerunner for the coming New Age Christ Maitreya. He became the official mouthpiece for who he called Lord Maitreya. According to Krem, in 1977 Maitreya made his first physical appearance. Benjamin Krem sees himself as a contemporary to John the Baptist in the Bible. He heads up an organization called Share International. And if you look at the website, it says, In the midst of war, fear and famine, new hope is in the world for us all. Also on the website, he has a little article. It's entitled, The Master's Latest Article. And it says this, quote, Under the wise guidance of the Christ and his brothers, 
man will attain the full stature of revealed divinity, which is his birthright, did he but know it. Stage by stage, century following century, man will build a civilization which will demonstrate his growing manifestation of divinity, a culture in which the beauty of the divine creation will be expressed in all its aspects, a mirror in which the divine idea will be reflected in all its glory." End of quote. Now who is Maitreya? Uh, Benjamin Krem says that he has been expected for generations by all of the major religions. He says Christians know him as the Christ and expect his imminent return. Jews await him as the Messiah. Hindus look for the coming of Krishna. Buddhists expect him as Maitreya Buddha and Muslims anticipate the Imam Mahdi or Messiah. He says although the names are different, many believe that they all refer to the same individual, the world teacher, whose personal name is Maitreya. Preferring, he says, to be known simply as the teacher, Maitreya has not come as a religious leader or to found a new religion, but as a teacher and a guide for people of every religion and even of those who have no religion. At this time of great political, economic and social crisis, Maitreya will inspire humanity to see itself as one family and create a civilization based on sharing economic and social justice and global cooperation. He will launch a call to action to save the millions of people who starve to death every year in a world of plenty. Among Maitreya's recommendations will be a shift in social priorities so that adequate food housing, clothing, education, and medical care become universal rights. He's actually describing socialism. Now, under Maitreya's inspiration, humanity itself, he says, will make the required changes and create a saner and a more just world for all. So, you know, Maitreya is going to come to improve the world at every level. Now, Krem and other occultists have often claimed that Maitreya would manifest at certain times or dates. All their prophecies have failed, and according to Deuteronomy 18.22, it says that when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not come about or come true, that is the thing which the Lord then has not spoken. This prophet has spoken it presumptuously, and you shall not be afraid of him. So obviously we have to regard Benjamin Krem as a false prophet. The New Age religion, folks, is going to have a worldwide leader a charismatic political and religious leader that they call Lord Maitreya. At least so far that's who they call him, or that's what they call him. This individual, as far as I know, has not made his public appearance yet, but the New Agers claim that he is on the earth at the present time. They claim that he came to live with the Asian community in East London, England, in July 1977 by descending from his ancient retreat in the Himalaya Mountains along the border of India and Tibet. They further believe that his imminent emergence into full public view is assured. They also claim that this individual is the one that the Christians call Christ, the Jews call the Messiah, the Buddhists call the fifth Buddha, the Hindus call Krishna, and the Muslims call the Imam Mahdi. In other words, all of the major religions of the world are awaiting the arrival of this one individual. And they say that he is on the earth now, patiently waiting for the appointed time to reveal his existence to the peoples of the world. They say that he will apparently assume the leadership of all of these religions, and when he does, he will create a one-world religion. 
The New Agers have written that in the esoteric tradition previously defined as being intended for or understood by only a chosen few as an inner group of disciples or initiates, in other words, the esoteric means hidden. They claim that the word Christ is not the name of an individual, but the name of an office or function within the spiritual hierarchy of masters. They claim that the masters are a group of perfected men who have guided human evolution from behind the scenes for centuries, and they believe that this Lord Maitreya is that Christ. Now, Manly P. Hall has written of this individual by identifying him as, quote, the way, the truth, and the life, which coming to every life redeems all who accept it, unquote. Now, since Jiddu Krishnamurti failed as the world teacher and who was supposedly responsible for ushering in the age of Aquarius one world system, theosophists, Freemasons and occultists have been waiting now for their world teacher since then. On January the 9th, 1959, Benjamin Krim claims that powerful spiritual forces came into contact with him to elicit his help in announcing the arrival of Maitreya as the world teacher to humanity. Krem started an organization called Share International, which is aimed at promoting Maitreya, Theosophy and the New Age. Krem admits that he was influenced by Blavatsky and Bailey. He says, quote, To many today, this awareness includes the recognition of higher states of consciousness attained by those who make up the emerging spiritual kingdom, the masters and initiates of the world. Their existence was first revealed in modern times by H.P. Blavatsky, co-founder of the Theosophical Society, as long ago as 1875. He goes on to say, A more detailed communication about the Masters and their work was given by Alice Bailey between 1919 to 1949. In her book, The Externalization of the Hierarchy, she revealed the existence of a planned return to physical plane work and activity by this group of enlightened men, which return, I submit, has already begun." End of quote. These people are claiming that their secret doctrines and inspirations for their writings come from what they call ascended masters. However, the Bible states that the dark side of the spirit realm is ruled by Satan, who is the prince of darkness and demons and the father of lies. Both Satan and his demonic forces present themselves as angels of the kingdom of light, or the kingdom of God, thereby deceiving people. Although the writings and claims of these occultists can be very detailed and even sound authoritative, there is absolutely no proof of the claims they make. The same doctrines of demons simply get passed on from one person to another until they are all singing from the same page. These dark spirits mimic the Bible as much as possible, just as the New Age prophets claim that Maitreya is in fact the Christ that the world is waiting for, and that Benjamin Krem is the forerunner of this Christ, as was John the Baptist of the Christ in the Bible, they even claim that Maitreya's star has now appeared. This is a counterfeit of the star of Bethlehem, for example, that heralded the birth of Jesus Christ in the Bible. They claim that what they call starlight luminaries will appear in the four quadrants of the earth. The Lord Maitreya is awaited by Christians as the Christ, although they don't know it, 
is awaited by Hindus as Krishna, although they don't know it, is awaited by Jews as the Messiah, although they don't know it, is awaited by Muslims as the Imam Mahdi, although they don't know it, and awaited by Buddhists who have his name right, as Maitreya Buddha, foretold to come now by the previous Buddha, Gautama Buddha, who said at this time would come into the world a great teacher, a Buddha like himself, who from his great spiritual stature would stimulate and galvanize inspire humanity to create a brilliant golden civilization based, as he put it, on righteousness and truth. But on the day of declaration, they will absolutely not miss it. On the day of declaration, the, the, uh, which will be arranged, of course, on a certain day, when enough people are responding and demanding that we let this man speak to the whole world, he's already well known, been on media all over the world, and people are clamoring to hear him speak to the world as a whole, thinking he's the Imam Mahdi or, or, or Krishna or Maitreya Buddha or, or the Christ or whatever, the Messiah. Whatever they think, the, all these names apply to him, but he doesn't like them. He says, if I'm the Christ to Christians, well, what about the Jews? What about the Hindus? What about the Muslims? If I'm Krishna to the Hindus, well, what about the others? Where, where do they come in? If I'm Maitreya Buddha, which of course he is, they're the only one who have got his name right. If I'm Maitreya Buddha, well, what about the Christians? What about the Hindus? What about the Buddhists, the uh, Jews and so on? So he wants only to be called the teacher. On the day of declaration, to get back to that, he will, I don't know how long it will take, maybe 30 minutes, 35 minutes, something, 40 minutes, something like that, he will not speak, not say a word, but his thoughts, his ideas will be heard inwardly, telepathically, by everybody in the world, everybody above the age of 14. So. If you're 14, you're Slovenian, you'll hear him in Slovenian. If you're Russian, you'll hear him in Russian. Americans in American, uh, English in English, French in French, Dutch in Dutch, and so on. He will give a kind of account of the long history of humanity, show how old we are, from what a height, a spiritual height we have descended into this materiality of today endangering the very future of the species and at the same time showing the future, what it can be like if we just accept that we are brothers, that we are brothers and sisters of one humanity. We can create a civilization based on that which will take us, as he puts it, to the very stars. And the masters will give to humanity their their insight, their, their wisdom, their age-old wisdom and, and experience and, and knowledge and stimulate and galvanize humanity into creating the most brilliant civilization. While this is going on, his energy, which we call the Christ principle, the energy of love, will flow out in tremendous potency throughout the world. 
He said it will be as if I embrace the world. People will feel it even physically. And at the same time, and this will, this will create a, a, an inner certainty that this is the Christ, an intuitive understanding of the message, a heartfelt response to the message. And on the physical plane, there will be hundreds of thousands of spontaneous miracle cures, healings all over the planet. And in these three ways, you will know that that one is the Christ, the world teacher, the Imam Mahdi, the Messiah, Maitreya Buddha, Krishna, by whatever name you await him, you will know that that one has come and beginning his outer mission in the world. It is claimed that his manifestation will come just after a global economic meltdown. It is also claimed that Maitreya wants the world to share resources in order to eliminate inequality in the world. He is going to be all things to all men, it seems, and unite the world's religions. The Bible says that when the Antichrist appears, he will do so with great signs and wonders that will deceive many, many people. So this New Age Maitreya is already taking credit for all kinds of alleged spiritual signs and wonders. Benjamin Krem also claims that UFO sightings will increase before the manifestation of Maitreya and that Maitreya will be able to explain UFOs. Quoting from a book called The Hidden Dangers of the Rainbow by Constance Cumby, it says, Won't the advent of a single world religion annoy the hierarchies of all the current orthodox religions? I asked. More than that, Krem said with a smile, they will be shocked. I dare say they will be among the last to accept the Christ. But according to Kissling, Krem said confidently, it will come because it must. We will begin to live, he said, as potential gods. End of quote. I said previously that the occultists claim that they get the inspiration from otherworldly beings, from spirit beings. They understand that these are fallen spirit beings that are on the dark side, but of course they believe that that's the good side because they invert uh, what the Bible teaches, that uh, what the Bible describes as the kingdom of darkness, they believe is the kingdom of light or Lucifer's kingdom, and that God's kingdom of light is the kingdom of darkness. So it's just inverted. And they give names to these otherworldly beings or the spirit guides or ascended masters. And this website speaks of guidance from our elder brothers and sisters. And they describe them as off-earth allies and give these entities, these spiritual entities, names. So here we see Anubis, Arctan, Derizum, and these are made up, no doubt about that, you know. But what is interesting is that Osiris, for example, and Anubis are Egyptian deities uh, that come out of the occult. So we see the link with Egyptology and Freemasonry and occult teachings. Now bear in mind that this is consistent with what Manly P. Hall, a high-level occultist, claimed that the New World Order would be governed by spirit beings that he claims are superior to humans because humans cannot even govern themselves. And here we can clearly see that this thinking is reinforced and they are truly looking to these dark demonic spiritual entities for guidance to solve the world's problems. Now, it is not only new ages and occultists who believe in this Maitreya, but also politicians, presidents and elitists. Wayne Peterson, a retired American diplomat 
an admitted supporter of Maitreya with connections to the Pentagon and the United States, stated the following about Mikhail Gorbachev in a magazine called Vision Magazine in an interview on the June 20th, 2000. He says, I believe Mikhail Gorbachev has publicly stated his belief in the existence of Maitreya. Do you know if this is true? Wayne Peterson says, I have one little story I could tell you about Gorbachev. A friend of mine who was working with the World Bank went to a heads of state conference in Europe and gave a speech where he borrowed many of Maitreya's ideas for economic reform out of a book by Benjamin Krem that I'd given him. He told me that he had read the book on his flight to Europe and realized that his keynote address to these world officials, especially presidents and prime ministers, was after all a very high level meeting, was going to be very boring with many having heard similar sentiments over and over. So he thought he would throw in some of Maitreya's ideas into his speech. The country he was in had a reigning monarch who invited him to lunch the next day. When he showed up for lunch, there were 16 to 20 people there, including Mr. Gorbachev. The monarch of this country said to him, My friend, I suppose you're wondering why we invited you here today. Well, we are all curious about where you got those ideas for your speech, which you presented yesterday. He said that my friend Wayne gave me a book written by Benjamin Krem about Maitreya's mission. Immediately they nodded their heads. Well, we thought so, was the apparent response. That's why we invited you here. We all know of Maitreya and we're doing what we can for him, but we are not able to say anything publicly because we are world leaders. We each have our own public to deal with. Only one person there stood up and said that they could use his name to legitimize these sightings. And that was Mikhail Gorbachev. He was the only man in the room who would say, use my name if you want. The next question was, do you think President Clinton has had any experience of Maitreya? Wayne Peterson replies, I don't know if President Clinton has. I believe that former President George Bush has. We used to have transmission meditation groups that Maitreya had asked us to do around Washington, D.C. People who were interested in Maitreya and the reappearance story would get together once a week in Georgetown and in the home of President Bush's main counselor at the White House. President Bush came over to this house for dinner one night, and the hostess was in the dining room as President Bush asked her, What do you think? I'm running against Clinton in this election. Am I going to win? She said, No, Mr. President, you are not. Maitreya has already said you are going to lose to Clinton. Bush never challenged her, but merely said, Yeah, yeah. He didn't ask who Maitreya was. He was very quiet, and then said, I think I've got to go now. Now, Benjamin Kramer said many times that he had heard from one of Maitreya's associates that Maitreya had appeared to Bush and that they had had discussions in the White House. So that incident with my meditation group seemed to confirm that Bush did in fact know of Maitreya. I do know people in the White House have been visited by Maitreya many times, and the people I'm talking about I've seen on the front page of the Washington Post standing next to the President. Why the world has changed so much and why the world has turned so much towards a new world order and a new kind of civilization. Now, the United Nations' loosest trust, world goodwill, and theosophy are all going out of their way to promote Maitreya, the New Age Christ, and Savior of the world. They claim that Jesus was only a disciple of Maitreya. Jesus, they say, heralded in the astrological age of Pisces. Now the new age is going to herald in the age of Aquarius, which includes a new world order, a new civilization of God-men, 
and the savior of the world, Maitreya. Jesus and the old age of Christianity, which is now perceived as outdated and irrelevant to a postmodern society, is to be seen as something of the past. The new thing is Maitreya and the new age spirituality that openly declares that Lucifer is God and that we are gods. The Great Plan, A New World Order in 1919, the Theosophist Alice Bailey was supposedly contacted by one of these ascended masters known as the Tibetan or Dwaj Kul. From 1919 to 1949, Bailey would write 24 books about esoteric philosophy and according to her she would do automatic writing, which is a new edge way of channeling demonic spirits. In 1922, she established the Lucifer Publishing Company to distribute the works of Helena Blavatsky and her own works. She later changed the name to Lucis Trust because Lucifer Publishing became too controversial. Lucis Trust evolved into a large New Age organization which is still active today. Lucis Trust is also directly associated with the United Nations. According to the United Nations International Geneva Yearbook, it says the Lucis Trust is recognized by the United Nations as a non-governmental organization and is represented at regular briefing sessions at UN headquarters. The Lucis Trust is on the roster of the United Nations Economic and Social Council. So Theosophy and the New Age have become fused into the United Nations, which provides a platform for the New Age agenda to be worked out in the world. The aim of corrupt organizations such as Lucis Trust and the United Nations is to create a one world government and a new world order which is in accord with a supposed Age of Aquarius. Many high-level elitists have voiced their approval for such a system. Donald Keyes is a high-level New Age leader. He says, Humanity is on the verge of something entirely new, a further evolutionary step unlike any other, the emergence of the first global civilization. End of quote. David Rockefeller, the owner of the Chase Manhattan Bank, called for a new world order openly in his book Memoirs. He's also quoted as saying, some even believe we are part of a secret cabal working against the best interests of the United States, characterizing my family and me as internationalists and of conspiring with others around the world to build a more integrated global political and economic structure, one world if you will. If that's the charge, I stand guilty and I'm proud of it. I'm just going to quote from an article that appeared in Time magazine. This article was written by Strobe Talbot. He says, the human drama, whether played out in history books or headlines, is often not just a confusing spectacle, but a spectacle about confusion. The big question these days is which political forces will prevail, those stitching nations together or those tearing them apart? Here is one optimistic reason for believing unity will prevail over disunity, integration over disintegration. In fact, I'll bet that within the next hundred years, nationhood as we know it will be obsolete. All states will recognize a single global authority. Mikhail Gorbachev says, the threat of environmental crisis will be the international disaster key that will unlock the new world order. He goes on and says, we are moving towards a new world order, the world of communism. We shall never turn off that road. So clearly what we're seeing here is that this new world order is a communistic ideology because the God of the Bible is not in it and um, the, the political structure that it will follow will be that of socialism. Now 
I want to just briefly go back to this thing of environmental crisis. Remember what I said earlier that pantheism has to do with earth worship because these occultists believe that God is in everything. So he's in a tree, he's in a rock, he's in us, he's in a donkey, and therefore we worship the earth. In fact, ironically, if you dig very deeply, you find that these occultists hate human beings, which of course Satan hates anyone who's created in the image of God. And they elevate the earth and animals above humans. Absolutely bizarre. And this is why they go to great lengths to create these areas in the world where, you know, they, they, they supposedly are protecting the environment. But at the same time, they are, they, millions of people are starving and dying, but they're protecting dolphins and whales and, you know, all kinds of conceivable thing except human beings. Now, New Ager and student of Alice Bailey, Robert Mueller, formerly the Secretary General of the United Nations, gave this frightening admission. He says, we must move as quickly as possible to a one world government, a one world religion under a one world leader, end of quote. Now, the model being advocated, as I've said, for this new world order is a socialist Marxist system of government. When we look at the basic concepts in communism, we see this. Number one, social wealth will be distributed according to human needs, meaning that things that are scarce will be distributed first to those who need them most. Number two, the state will wither away. Number three, social classes will not exist. Number four, it will be a moneyless economy. Number five, it will be a command economy. In other words, government planners decide which goods and services are produced and how they are distributed. Now, quoting Adam Zwas, he says, Quote, communism and the Marxist utopia of a moneyless society where products were distributed rather than sold and bought. End of quote. David Pepper says, quote, Marx and Engels wanted a classless, moneyless society without government and wage slavery. End of quote. So the model for the New World Order is what can be described as world socialism. The founder of communism, Karl Marx, defamed religion by saying, quote, religion is the opium of the people, end of quote. Communism is a godforsaken and tyrannical model of government. Many people have noticed that the modern New World Order currently being promoted by the global elite contains communistic ideals within it. The New World Order will therefore be a God-hating, totalitarian government that will be worse than any other dictator in all of world history. Now, Theosophist Alice Bailey claims that the true communist platform is sound, now, I'm going to talk about a gentleman, Carl Pearson, who is quoted here. Carl uh, Pearson is a socialist and a eugenicist. Eugenics has to do with the mass extermination of human beings. Uh, this gentleman, Theodore M. Porter, speaks of Carl Pearson by saying, Pearson's appreciation of Marx. Now, take note that Carl Pearson is a eugenicist who wants to mass murder people. He says, Pearson's appreciation of Marx was real especially in early 1881. In his first essay on socialism, he called Marx one of the most extraordinary characters which this century has produced. End of quote. So this guy, Carl Pearson, admires this mass murderer, Karl Marx. The Luciferian New World Order is in the process of establishing a communistic socialistic one world government. In addition to this new socialistic world government, it will also establish a new religion. This new religion will embrace all the world's religions, but will in fact promote Lucifer as the true God. 
Those who do not worship the beast spoken of in Revelation and do not accept the mark of the beast will be cut off from society and terminated. Talking about the New World Order and the new One World Religion that goes along with it, I want to introduce you to a place called Astana in Kazakhstan. Astana is described as the New World Order's great city. And I'm reading from this website which says, Astana is the capital city of Kazakhstan with an official estimated population of nearly 700,000 people as of March 1st, 2010. Astana is the first large capital being built in the 21st century. The word Astana originates from Persian, Astana from the verb istadan, which means to stand in respect, and literally means threshold, i.e. royal or sacred, when people stand in respect and awe, implying where the court is seated, as in a capital city or a shrine town. What this really means is that Astana is being built as a shrine to the New World Order. Now, we want to have a look at what this means and the symbolism surrounding this, as well as the religious aspects or the religious dimensions to it. The city has been described as a futuristic occult capital being built in a remote and deserted area of the Asian steppes. The city also depicts many instances of sun worship, making one believe that the city is a celebration of the religion. So let's have a look at some of the photographs of the New World Order capital. Now this imagery here, are these two pillars that we see, let's see what the website says about these two pillars. It says, this layout is present in a majority of important cities, including Washington DC and Paris. The two golden pillars are believed to represent Masonic symbolism, specifically the two pillars of masonry, Boaz and Jakin. These pillars are featured in all Masonic lodge rooms. Boaz and Jakin were two copper brass or bronze pillars which stood in the porch of Solomon's temple, the first temple in Jerusalem. Okay, so we see Masonic imagery. Here we can see that the main building, which is sort of the presidential palace, is built along the same lines as Washington DC. Now, of course, we know that Washington DC was built totally along occult lines. And we see another view here of the presidential palace. Here we can see what is called the Tree of Life. At the back here, we'll see later that there's a meeting room right at the top here where the world's religions are being united. There's an eagle up there which symbolizes power. We're seeing basically a New World Order, New Age city being built. Okay, so let's carry on. Going inside, uh, we see this globe signed by representatives from 17 religious denominations. And this represents uniting all religions together under the New World Order. Very, 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 very significant. Okay, so we see a clear plan that part of the New World Order is to unite the world's religions without a shadow of doubt. Now, this pyramid is dedicated to the renunciation of violence and to bring together the world's religions. The architect claims that the building has no recognizable religious symbols, but in reality, the pyramid is a temple for sun worship, which is the religion of the New World Order. The pyramid is the main symbol of Freemasonry and ancient religious doctrine. Today's elite use these pyramids as symbols of power throughout the world. Las Vegas and Dubai contain similar structures as do many other cities in the world. Here we have the apex of the pyramid and this is what we're going to see inside. So the apex is, is round and covered with sunlight. Images of white doves are embedded in the windows. This is obviously to do with world peace, representing um, the, also the unification of world governments and religions in this round circular shape and the new world order. 
So the apex, which is at the top of the pyramid, is the ultimate representation of illumination, which is the spiritual evolution of humanity into this new golden age or era of Aquarius, as we've seen before. Inside, we see this meeting room, and we see the sun imagery and eye right in the center of this room. I mean, it couldn't be more clear. This is pure Luciferian worship right here. This is Lucifer being worshipped. And this meeting room here, which is the main room, also has the sun symbolism and or eye in the ceiling. And it is the conference room where the religious leaders of the world meet. But we can see here the sun op occupies the whole ceiling. So uh, all about illumination. This is the tree of life. And it says this monument is meant to embody a folk tale about a mythical tree of life and a magic bird of happiness. The tree of life, as it's called, is a roadmap which spirits supposedly use when they leave the material world to join the afterlife. The golden globe at the top of the monument represents the sun, the supreme deity. And here we have sun worship again. Now inside the gold globe, which is right at the top of that construction there, we have this very strange looking symbol. And it's a gold triangle which represents the president's handprint in the center, the president of this, this country. But there's something obviously much more mystical here. I believe this has to do with Satan, who the Bible says is the master of this world or the prince of this world. This person says that the global elites scatter their symbols and doctrines all over the world. And of course, the general population failed to recognize what's going on. So, you know, this could signify Satan's mark on the world or his thumbprint or handprint, uh, making it an impression into this triangle. He's stamping his authority. It's, I mean, this ultimately, this is right at the top of this tree of life. So, you know, once again, we have the shrine to Luciferianism, to illumination, that Satan is, in fact, the light bearer and the bringer of light to humanity and spiritual life to humanity. Here we have a helix shape. The helix has to do with the DNA of mankind. And one of the very significant things that you're going to find when you start studying the occult and what's happening uh, in this New Age One World religion is the fusion of the sons of God with the daughters of men, i.e. the fallen angels being fused with humans to form these new superhumans. Uh, again, this concept of transhumanism. And I'm sorry to say it, but it also is in the shape of a male sexual organ. Uh, which is very significant in things like Freemasonry because most of the occult religions have to do with fertility cults. So man is building a shrine to himself. Lucifer is being glorified as the god of this world. And here we have this new age, new century city being built to glorify man without any shadow of doubt. This is very pagan, very occultic, and is a sure sign of where things are heading. What is really well documented in various New Age writings is that no one will be given an option to opt out of the New Age agenda. It will literally be a case of do or die. For example, David Spangler, who was part of a group called Planetary Citizens, promotes the abolition of all other religious faiths. Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, an influential New Age guru who was embraced by the Beatles, says, there has not been and there will not be a place for the unfit. The fit will lead, and if the unfit are not coming along, there is no place for them. In the place where light dominates, there is no place for darkness. In his thinking, the fit are the new ages, and the unfit are those who do not adopt the new age beliefs. For example, people who are fundamentalist.
Christians. Essentially, you will find a lot of intolerance in the New Age movement. This is because, of course, they hate God and they hate the Word of God and they hate Christians. Its peaceful facade hides a much darker agenda that is completely in accord with many biblical prophecies about the coming new world order, one world religion, an antichrist system of world government and religion that is going to be foisted on the citizens of the world. New Age authors explicitly state that there is no place for Christians in this new world order. In the book entitled Co-Creation, New Age leader Barbara Marks Hubbard states, quote, Out of the full spectrum of human personality, one-fourth is electing to transcend. One-fourth is resistant to election. They are unattracted by life ever evolving. Now, as we approach the quantum shift from creature human to co-creative human, the destructive one-fourth, i.e. Christians, must be eliminated from the social body. Fortunately, you, dearly beloved, are not responsible for this act. We are. We are in charge of God's selection process for planet Earth. He selects, we destroy. We are the riders of the pale horse, death. Quoting Alice Bailey, she says, Let us never forget that it is the life, its purpose and its directed intentional destiny that is of importance. And also that when a form, she means a life form, provides inadequate or too diseased or too crippled for the expression of that purpose, it is from the point of view of the hierarchy, no disaster when that form has to go. End of quote. Basically, she's saying that if a life is not fit for purpose, it's not a problem from the viewpoint of the spiritual hierarchy for it to be destroyed. She says, quote, death is not a disaster to be feared. The work of the destroyer is not really cruel or undesirable. Therefore, there is much destruction permitted by the custodians of the plan and much evil turned into good. What she's saying here is that they see themselves, the global elite occultists, see themselves as God's elect who, when they initiate their murder of millions of Christians who will not accept Lucifer as God, they see themselves as the custodians of all truth and authority and that they are actually doing God's work by destroying Christians who they call evil and in so doing they're turning evil into good. The Bible talks about this and it says that the time will come when people who kill Christians will claim that they are doing God's work. Now, Alistair Crowley claims that an Egyptian entity told him that Christianity would be destroyed at the advent of the New Age. A peer of Blavatsky's, often called a prophet of the New Age, Alistair Crowley, claimed to have been visited in the spring of 1904 by an Egyptian entity called Iowas, who foretold to Crowley the end of Christianity. Now going back to Barbara Marks Hubbard from a book entitled Happy Birthday, Planet Earth, she says, quote, The end of this phase of evolution shall come. All will know their choice. All will be required to choose. All who choose to be natural Christs will be guided from within as to how to proceed. But all who choose not to evolve will die off. The kindergarten class of earth will be over. End of quote. We're now going to talk about a gentleman called Robert Mueller, who was involved with the United Nations for many, many years, is an occultist and a New Ager, and has written what's called the World Core Curriculum 
for all the children of the world to bring them all into the new age. He says, quote, I am surprised that no one has yet thought of creating a pro-Earth humanity challenging organization which would put itself in the shoes of our Mother Earth and rejoice whenever humans diminish in numbers or consume less. End of quote. Here we see, again, a perverted thinking that elevates the Earth above humanity. He goes on to say, quote, It would give yearly prizes to people, events or institutions which achieve a reduction of the human population or of the consumption of Earth's resources. The first prize should go to the United Nations, which through its World Population Conferences and anti-population work prevented 2 billion, 200 million more people from being born between 1952 and the year 2000. End of quote. He is admitting that the United Nations has been responsible for destroying human beings. Now, referring to our earlier video clip from Bill Gates, we see the same admission where he talks about the fact that Vaccines have in fact been responsible for destroying human life, preventing births of new babies. And of course, this now gives us new insights into the whole abortion agenda. And I don't think I even have to spell that out. I mean, abortion has been responsible for the deaths of more people than all the world wars put together. Now, it's claimed that the age of Aquarius began in 2012. Quoting from a book entitled Revelation in the Stars by Dr. C.L. Pepler, page 69, we see, quote, they believe the next age will start around AD 2012 and will be the age of Aquarius. This, they say, will be the age of enlightenment and world unity, a post-Christian world in the fullest sense of the word, end of quote. Now, the Club of Rome, by its own admission, is a globalist think tank. The aim of this organization, which was founded by Irvin Laszlo, is to solve the world's problems and erect a solution to them, a one-world government. On January the 31st, 2009, they held a conference entitled The Future of the American Hemisphere. Francisco Stippo kicked the conference off with a speech. He's a member of the Club of Rome and authored a book entitled World Federalist Manifesto, a guide to political globalization, in which he states, Quote, political globalization is the creation of a world government which regulates the relationships amongst governments, end of quote. Now, founder of the Club of Rome, Irvin Laszlo, along with Deepak Chopra and globalist Mikhail Gorbachev, all authored a book entitled World Shift 2012. The subtitle of this book was Making Green Business, New Politics and a Higher Consciousness Work Together. The Club of Rome founded another spin-off organization called the Club of Budapest, another elitist occultist organization that is promoting New Age Ascension beliefs to the public. New Age members of the Club of Budapest include Robert Mueller, former Secretary General of the United Nations, and Barbara Marks Hubbard, who stated, quote, We have been projecting the transformation in 2012. It is happening now. End of quote. On the website World Shift 2012, Irvin Laszlo claimed that the world would end in 2012 if there was not a dramatic shift in global consciousness. So suddenly we had this new gospel of world shift being preached worldwide, telling us that the age of Aquarius had arrived 
and that uh, we were now entering this new utopian age of love, joy, peace and world unity as espoused by Deepak Chopra and Barbara Marks Hubbard in this birth 2012 campaign. We had the Mayan calendar prophecies which were all over the internet, the shift of the ages supposedly, and this was all supposedly prophesied by the Mayan calendar. This is like the rebirth of the earth. Now, the Bolivian president made the speech to the United Nations. According to the Mayan calendar, the 21st of December marks the end of the non-time and the beginning of time. It is the end of the matcha and the beginning of the pacha. It is the end of selfishness and the beginning of brotherhood. It is the end of individualism and the beginning of collectivism. The end of hatred, the beginning of love. The end of lies and the beginning of truth. It's the end of sadness and the beginning of joy. It's the end of division and the beginning of unity. I mean, where in the world do they get this stuff from? You know, it's, it's as if just because they state something as a fact that it suddenly becomes a fact and suddenly the world is going to be transformed by this new age utopian thinking. We even had books and movies being published left, right and center. The media got into involved. These are games, computer games called World Shift. Suddenly children were being brainwashed to believe that this was in fact happening. This is a gaming website where people were logging in all over the world playing this game. These initiatives and many more are being promoted by the New World Order to convince people that they need a new one world government because some impending disaster is coming upon the world. One of these examples was the hype about the Mayan calendar predicting the end of the world in 2012. Other people have spoken about imminent invasion by aliens. Then we have the war on terror, which has become such a big thing. But for example, when the Mayan calendar prophecies and claims were put to academics, they refuted the concept that the world would come to an end in 2012, stating that this was pure speculation and it was something that was put into the media by people who have their own agendas. In other words, there was no evidence for it. There was absolutely no evidence to support the claims of the Mayan calendar. Another example of the scaremongering is global warming. The whole global warming debate is a farce. The New Age New World Orders hate Biblical Christianity because not only does the Bible refute their occult beliefs, but it also predicts their coming utopia, which it identifies as an evil world system, and it tells people how to resist it. Paul warns, too, about these spirit beings, who they call ascended masters, who will deceive people with false doctrines in 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2. New Ages actually claim even that the Bible teaches their beliefs. But for example, in the book of Isaiah, astrology is forbidden and is seen as an abomination to God. Isaiah 47, 13 to 14. In Matthew 28, 20, Acharya S. claims that the Bible is speaking of the age of Aquarius, which is impossible because the concept of the age of Aquarius did not even exist during this biblical period in history. What Jesus is in fact speaking about is the end of the eon, which is a Greek word for the end of an age. He does not mean the end of the world, but the end of an era which ushers in the new era of Christ's eternal kingdom. In first century Jewish thought, there was an awareness of the current age and an age that was yet to come, i.e. the kingdom of God. The distinction between the two appears both in the New Testament and in other Jewish writings, but this has nothing to do with astrology. And this shatters, of course, the myth of the age of Aquarius. Of course, what we can derive from this is that the age of Aquarius is a massive counterfeit. Maitreya is the counterfeit of Jesus Christ who will return. And the age of Aquarius of the kingdom of God 
that will be established on the earth when Christ returns to establish his eternal kingdom. Now Paul writes in 2 Thessalonians 2 that you not be soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither in your spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us as that the day of the Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means for that day shall not come. He's talking about the return of Christ except there come a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition he speaks here of course of the antichrist who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called god or that is worshipped so that he as god sits in the temple of god showing himself that he is god jesus christ warned of the satanic antichrist and the false christs that would appear on the earth before his return the matter of faith. There have been men, many of them, who claim to be a new Messiah. And tonight we're going to meet three of them, including one in the faraway Philippines who has amassed a flock, he says, numbers in the millions. Poor people who give what little they have to the man they believe is the second coming of Jesus. Bill Weir journeyed there to meet him. Bible, prophets, angels, and Jesus himself all promised that the Son of God would return to create heaven on earth. And throughout the ages, billions of Christians have wondered, when? But what if the second coming is here, now? number of would-be messiahs who claim exactly that, and few are more physically convincing than a former Russian traffic cop named Sergei Torop. In the woods of rural Siberia, he is known as Vissarion, the teacher, and around 5,000 disciples live around him, growing their own food and feasting on his every word. And my whole body was trembling. The trembling is not coming again. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's uh, very emotional to me. Meanwhile, in London, David Shaler says he is the true Lord of Lords, but unlike Vissarion, no one believes him. That doesn't bother me because I was chosen by God. The former British intelligence agent says his body was filled with the spirit of Jesus in 2007, a conviction which intensifies on a visit to Jerusalem. We're in the Church of Holy Sepulchre, and this behind me is supposed to be the tomb of Christ. Well, I'm Christ, I'm not in the tomb, I'm not dead yet. But with no support, he lives in a squatter's camp outside London. Prove to me that you are a son of God! But that is not a sentiment shared by Pastor Apollo Quibbeloy, the most successful of the world's self-labeled saviors. The official coming of the Son of God was in April 13, 2005. He was an obscure evangelist from the rural Philippines until 2005 when he announced that God had appointed him Christ on earth, his reward for a pure life. Sinful thoughts, uh, anger, lust, any of those things, you don't experience those on a daily basis? As a human being? Yes. I have already overcome all of those. There is no apocalypse in Kibaloi's message, no rapture or final judgment. Instead, he preaches that he is the model of Christianity. And as more people follow his example, God will gradually turn the earth back into the Garden of Eden. Do you perform miracles? For me, the greatest miracle.
is the changing of that spirit within. But healing the sick, the manifestations oh, yes, of Jesus' yes. powers, you, you, you're able to we do have, that? We have, we have healing. You we are have healing. Healing and miracles happening. After taking his place as the appointed son, Kibaloy's ministry has exploded. He claims to reach six million followers with his satellite TV network, numerous publications, private jet, and personal helicopter. All the better to avoid the bumpy road and impoverished villages that lead to the walled compound he calls the Kingdom of Jesus Christ. Here is his five-bedroom home, surrounded by manicured gardens of imported grass. So this is your Garden of Eden? This is what we call the Garden of Eden Restored. Preacher Jose Luis de Jesus Miranda is nothing if not a self-made man. Founding his own religious sect in a Miami warehouse, he now spreads his word via his own satellite channel, with worshippers following him like a rock star. But his lavish lifestyle and curious beliefs have more than a few people wondering if he's suffering, well, from a messiah complex. CNN's John Zarella reports. Nine bodyguards surround 60-year-old Jose Luis de Jesus Miranda. Dressed in a finely tailored suit, he greets his followers as he walks a red carpet into a 500-seat auditorium packed with members of his congregation. His presence brings tears of joy and an outpouring of songs. De Jesus is founder and leader of Creciendo en Gracia, or Growing in Grace, a religious sect that claims millions of members around the world. But there's no way to know for sure. You receive it, you accept it, you confess it, and it's done unto you. The sign on the pulpit looks like the American Eagle, but reads, The Government of God on Earth. It is a sect with some very different beliefs. We don't believe in sin. We don't believe in the devil. We don't believe that there is such a place like hell. Which makes the Ten Commandments irrelevant. Those rules are good for the society, but not for the kingdom of God. The truth is not found in the Gospels, says De Jesus, but in the letters of Paul. De Jesus once said he was a reincarnation of Paul. Then two years ago, he proclaimed himself Christ. Oh, I won't die. No, I won't die. No, no, I won't die. Even if you tried to kill me. And his followers believe him. The man Christ Jesus is here among us. Dr. Jose Luis de Jesus Miranda is the man Christ Jesus. The Puerto Rican-born De Jesus admits to drug use and spending time in jail as a youth. Now he claims God has merged with him. He said, I will appear for the second time without relationship to sin. And that's what I'm doing. I do greater things than Jesus of Nazareth. Much greater. Greater than Jesus of Nazareth? Much greater. Does that make you greater than Jesus? I am greater than him. You are? Yes, because I teach better than him. He spoke in parables. I teach wisdom and revelation. He does not perform miracles, he says, because the second coming is based on teaching and building the church. And his followers are not shy about their belief. They've confronted Catholics outside of church and held rallies in Miami, tearing up religious writings of other faiths. In El Salvador, they demonstrated outside a cathedral and smashed statues of Jesus. Sometimes it gets out of hand because of the other people. They began shouting. So you're blaming them? 
Yeah, well, they get wild, not us. De Jesus' followers are also generous, handing over envelopes of cash that go into his wife's purse. There's many people that accuse us of giving everything to the apostle, 90, 100 percent. Uh, that's not necessarily true. His daughter, the church treasurer, says they brought in $1.4 million in donations last year here in the United States. Most of it, they say, goes to expenses and running cable television networks here and in Latin America. The electricity, they send me a bill. Telephone, they send a bill. I go to take a plane, they charge me. We need money, John. The system down here is money. His salary is reported as $136,000 a year. He lives richer than that. A lavish home, expensive cars. You've got a beautiful, what is that, a Rolex you're wearing? Yes. Beautiful Rolex and the, the, the diamond encrusted uh, ring there and the gold chain. I don't only have one, I have about three Rolexes. Given by my beautiful people who love me so much, this is all free, you know, gifts that they give me. I can reject that. While creating this video, I had great difficulty deciding how to end it. As I reflected on the Bible, I realized that there was only one context in which this video can possibly be ended. The events that usher in the end of this age and the return of Jesus Christ are clearly spelled out in Scripture. Now, for some of you, hearing what I'm about to say may be very difficult, but for those who look forward to the return of Christ, this information is probably the most important and positive message you will ever hear. It depends entirely on your perspective. I want to begin by discussing Matthew 24. In this passage of scripture, the disciples ask Jesus, what events will signal your return at the end of the world? Jesus proceeds to explain the signs that will indicate his imminent return. Many will come claiming to be the Messiah and will lead many astray. There will be warfare in various parts of the world. The nations and kingdoms of the earth will rise up against each other. There will be famines and earthquakes in many places throughout the world. But these signs so far will all only be the beginning of the horrors yet to come upon the earth or what the Bible describes as the Great Tribulation. Now Jesus continues. He says Christians will be killed and hated all over the world because of their allegiance to Jesus Christ. As a result, many believers will fall back into sin and betray and hate each other. Many false prophets will appear in the church and lead many Christians astray. Sin will be rampant everywhere and affect many Christians negatively. In fact, only those who endure to the end, Jesus said, will be saved. The good news of the kingdom of God will be preached throughout the world so that all nations will hear it. Now, of course, today this is 100% possible through the use of technology and the internet. The gospel is, in fact, right now being preached to all the nations of the world. Now, Jesus said, then, finally, the end of this age will come and he will return to establish his eternal kingdom on the earth. Now, it's important to note that before Jesus returns, there will be a time of persecution such as the world has never seen throughout all of history and will never see again in future. According to the Bible, it will be of such magnitude and evil that it will make the atrocities of past dictators seem like child's play by comparison. 
It's therefore very important to understand the quest for world peace in a biblical context. According to our New Age world leaders, we are about to enter a New Age heaven on earth in the not-too-distant future. But according to the Bible, this New Age utopia is going to become hell on earth. In fact, it hides a very sinister secret. Its secret agenda is exactly what Hitler attempted to do and what theosophy and other occultists such as Freemasons teach in their secret societies, namely the destruction of Christianity and Christians, the creation of a new superhuman race, and the establishing of a new religion on the earth. This new age religion is going to be a fusion of all the world's religions and can best be described as spiritual humanism. Those who participate in this new age, new world order false religion do not worship the God of the Bible, but a new age Christ who is in fact a false Christ who has no power to save anyone. Satan is in fact the evil spirit being who masquerades as an angel of light and conceals himself behind this new age pseudo-spirituality. Under the dictates of the Lucifer-worshipping New World Order, every citizen on the planet will have to decide to whom they will give their allegiance. Those who refuse to worship the beast, i.e. Satan, will no longer be permitted to be part of society. Now the Bible clearly teaches that Satan is temporarily the prince of this world. He is currently forming an end-time, one-world government and one-world religion on the earth. This beast system conceals a strange contradiction. The governments and religious leaders of today claim to be working for the common good of humanity, but are in fact ushering in Satan's antichrist kingdom on earth before Christ returns. According to the Bible, Satan will achieve success, but this success is only temporary. During the short period in which Satan will reign over the earth, it will be a time of extreme despotism and terror for the citizens of the world. The quest for world peace and claims of political and religious unity and tolerance is an elaborate deception which hides the pure evil that will soon unfold upon the earth. Satan presents himself as an angel of light in order to deceive people just as con men do. According to the Bible, he is a liar and the father of lies. In other words, he invented lying and deception. He is a deceiver, a murderer, and he is the source of all evil in the world today. According to Revelation chapter 17, the rulers of the one world government will mutually agree to give their authority to the beast or the Antichrist. In this way, biblical prophecy will be fulfilled. This ungodly alliance will be between political and religious powers. The beast represents political power and the false prophet spiritual power. It will truly be a marriage made in hell which will unleash demonic power on the earth in a final attempt to destroy God's creation. It is in the context of this unholy alliance between occult world leaders and false religion that Satan ultimately succeeds in deceiving the nations of the world and its rulers to worship him and to participate in his intense impurity and sin. See Revelation 14 for more about this. This unholy alliance between spiritually corrupt political and religious leaders 
will come about because they've been deceived by Satan to believe that this earthly one world government that they've worked so hard to establish on the earth is in fact a good thing. Satan is using these world leaders to implement his hidden evil plan. In Revelation 12 verse 9 we read, quote, The great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world. End of quote. In Revelation 13 we read that the world will marvel at the power of the dragon. And this is because he will perform counterfeit miracles to deceive people into thinking that he is truly God. And according to the Bible he will succeed in deceiving many people throughout the whole earth. These world leaders will truly believe that they are doing God's work and establishing God's kingdom on the earth, albeit in the name of Satan. But how can this possibly be? Well, in this video I've already demonstrated that the global elite are occultists who believe that Lucifer, or Satan, is in fact the good guy and that the God of the Bible and Jesus Christ are the evil ones. These occultists claim and teach that Lucifer is the true God. So it's not difficult then to see how these same global elite occultists really do believe that what they are busy establishing on the earth is good and in the name of God. The problem of course is that they are worshipping a false God. They will ultimately even kill Christians in God's name because to them Christians represent the evil God of the Bible, Jehovah. In Genesis 3, we see too that Lucifer, who had by now been banished from heaven because of his rebellion against God, attempts to deceive Adam and Eve, claiming that God was trying to hide the fact from them that they are in fact gods, and that they are already immortal God-men. This same deception has been perpetuated throughout history, and is explicitly taught in every occult book and secret society. Occultists worship Lucifer as God. Until today, Lucifer, the light-bearer, as he is referred to by these occultists, claims to have the power to make men into gods and to bestow the gift of immortality on them if only they will worship him as God. Satan even tried his luck with Jesus when Jesus went into the wilderness to fast and pray. Satan offered Jesus the power, glory and kingdoms of this world in exchange for Jesus worshipping him as God and abandoning the plan that Jehovah had for his life. Now today, Satan's enticing proposition of health, wealth, prosperity and power still continues to seduce millions of people on the earth. Satan continues to appeal to our lower nature, what the Bible describes as the lusts of the flesh, the pride of life and the deception of wealth. He continues to offer humanity the world but in exchange for our souls. But according to Mark chapter 8 verse 36, it says, What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? So we can see that the perceived wealth of this world is nothing more than fool's gold, and the emperor truly has no clothes. The sleight of hand is this. Satan makes an enticing offer of short-term gain in exchange for eternal loss. It really is a poor bargain. In Revelation chapter 14, we see that everyone on the earth will be forced to worship the Antichrist. Those who give their allegiance to the beast will be branded like cattle, 
with a mark that identifies them as those who belong to his kingdom. According to the Bible, the act of receiving the mark of the beast constitutes the ultimate rejection of God and Jesus Christ and results in eternal damnation for all who accept it. According to Revelation chapter 16, not only is this mark a sign of ownership of those who belong to Satan, but it is also associated with trade and commerce. Those who receive the mark will be permitted to continue business and life as usual, but those who do not receive the mark will no longer be allowed to buy or sell or even be employed. In effect, Satan will force people to worship him as God on the earth. He will coerce people into servitude to him by applying economic pressure on them. After all, when the chips are down, self-preservation becomes a very powerful force that can easily be exploited for evil. Not only will people's livelihoods be threatened, but their lives will be threatened if they do not comply to the dictates of this evil world leader. Now, Revelation chapter 12 puts all this into perspective. It says, For those who are described as citizens of heaven, they are told to be glad. And this is because the kingdom of God is about to be established on the earth for all eternity. These citizens of heaven are all those who have placed their hope and trust in Jesus Christ to save them and who worship Jesus Christ as the only true God and Savior of the world. But to all who reject Jesus Christ, this passage of scripture provides a stark warning. It warns that during the Great Tribulation, the devil comes to the citizens of the earth in great anger, knowing that his time is running out before Jesus returns to exercise his judgment on the governments of the earth and all who have rebelled against the Lordship of Christ and his word. After all, Satan too will finally be judged and punished for his rebellion against God, and he knows that full well. As a last-ditch attempt to defy God, Satan will vent his great anger on God's children, on all who are keeping his commandments and who confess that they belong to Jesus. According to Revelation chapter 12, verse 8, all mankind who worship this evil creature will forfeit eternal life in God's eternal kingdom. There are very clear warnings in the Bible that all who profess to be followers of Christ will come under severe persecution at the end of this age. In a general sense, Christians have always been persecuted for their faith, but in a specific sense, this persecution will intensify dramatically in the context of the end times. In Revelation 14 verse 12, Christians are told that everything written in these passages of Scripture should be a great encouragement to God's people to patiently endure every trial and persecution. This is because this intense tribulation and persecution indicates the imminent return of Christ and the final establishment of God's kingdom on earth. All who remain firm and who remain resolute to obey God and his commandments and remain true to Jesus are described as his saints, those who truly belong to God and who are about to inherit their great reward. Now this great reward is eternal life and eternal peace in the presence of God himself. In Revelation chapter 16, we see that God eventually brings mighty judgment on the earth as a forerunner to the return of Jesus Christ. 
Now, in closing, I want to issue a warning and an appeal to Christians who may be watching this video. 2 Timothy chapter 3 tells us that in the last days, it's going to be very difficult to be a Christian because people will love themselves and their money more than God. They will be proud and boastful, sneering at God. They will think nothing of sexual immorality. They will betray their friends. They will go to church but won't believe anything they hear. They will follow false teachings and believe new doctrines. These are new teachings in the church that do not conform to the teachings of the Bible, or what the Bible calls doctrines of demons. For Christians, this end-time deception is going to be so great that according to Matthew chapter 24, verse 24, if it were at all possible, even those who are most gifted in the things of God will be deceived. Sadly too, according to Philippians 3, verse 18, many who walk along the Christian road are actually enemies of Jesus Christ and their future is eternal loss. Why is that? Well, it tells us. It says, because their God is their appetite. They are proud of what they should be ashamed of and all they think about is this life here on earth. Verse 20 of Philippians 3 says, but our homeland is in heaven and we look forward to the return of Christ from there. Now, based on everything I've already covered in this video, I want to issue a final caution to professing Christians. Much of what has been preached and taught today in the name of Christ and Christianity is in fact unbiblical. Not all of it, obviously, but a lot of it. A good example of this is the so-called prosperity gospel, which encourages us to love the things of this world and which seeks to convince us that we can have the best of both worlds, this world and the world to come. According to the Bible, that is simply not true. Also, there is a Trojan horse in the church, and it is the New Age movement. This subversive New Age one-world religion is corrupting Christianity in the form of mysticism, Freemasonry, variations of the prosperity gospel, the acceptance of sexual immorality, and many more doctrines of demons. In the New Testament, we have various warnings about ministers of the gospel who see ministry simply as a means to enrich themselves. Beware any so-called gospel that subtly elevates the love of self and the love of money. You will soon land up worshipping an idol, either yourself or the things of this world. The Apostle Paul teaches that the love of the things of this world is idolatry and that we are not to be fooled by anyone who claims that it is not. Furthermore, the worship of self is the ultimate form of blasphemy and idolatry. We are also told that we must test every spirit and every teaching against the word of God. If we do not do that, we are in great danger of being deceived by smooth talkers who preach half-truths. Remember that a half-truth is in fact a complete lie. Anyone who claims to teach the Bible and whose teaching does not stand up to the scrutiny of the Word of God, must be rejected out of hand. Please also do not learn your theology from books written by men. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Everything you need to know as a Christian is already in the Bible. 
Make the Bible the foundation upon which you build your faith and study God's word to show yourself approved by God as a workman who rightly divides the word of God. 2 John chapter 1 states that we are not to wander beyond the teachings of Christ either and in so doing leave him behind. In other words, we are to stay within the confines of what the Bible teaches. Also in verse 10 of 2 John, we are admonished that if anyone comes to teach us and does not believe what Christ taught, we must reject that person and have nothing to do with them. Jude chapter 1 verse 11 also warns that there are many false teachers who will do and say anything for money because money is the God they really serve. Jesus said it all when he said, we cannot serve two masters, God and money. We will love one and hate the other because they compete for our allegiance. Now to those of you watching this video who have never submitted your lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, please don't waste another moment. Right now, you can simply stop this video and ask the Lord Jesus Christ to become your personal Lord and Savior. Becoming a Christian is not about religion and, and having to submit to a whole list of religious rules and rituals. It is about submitting yourself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, acknowledging that He alone is God and that salvation is found in no other name in the heavens or the earth. Only Jesus Christ has the power to forgive your sins, and the forgiveness of sin is a free gift which you can receive with certainty today. Simply confess today that you are a sinner who needs forgiveness and ask Jesus to take control of your life. There's a wonderful story in the book of Acts chapter 16 where the jailer who was looking after Paul and Silas in the prison after a mighty earthquake had rattled the prison doors and, and torn them open. He says to Paul and Silas, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their hands. Then immediately he and his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God he and his whole household. So we can see from the story that firstly we have to make a decision to believe in God and his son Jesus Christ and then we have to get baptized in water to publicly confirm that our sinful life is dead and buried and that we are now born again in the power of God's Holy Spirit. It is only the power of the Holy Spirit that can deliver us from the destructive nature of evil in our lives. Today, Jesus still offers the free gift of salvation and eternal life to all who would receive him as Lord and Savior. Your decision today for or against Christ has eternal consequences and significance for you and your family. Please make the right decision because according to the Bible, today is the acceptable day of salvation. Now for those who have watched this video and would like to ask questions, you're very welcome to send me an email to propheticalert at gmail.com. I'll be very pleased to assist wherever I can. God bless you and thank you for watching.